Welcome to Grace's Weekend. Thanks for being here with us. If uh, you're here in the room, thanks for showing up. If you're tuning in online, thanks for doing that as well. And if you're at the extension watching, welcome to you as well. And uh, my name's Ryan. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And if we haven't met yet, we'd love to meet you, maybe hear how you made your way to Grace and uh, hear how you connected that way. And we're going to be walking into kind of the last installment of a series we've been in for the last handful of weeks now. It's all about emotions. We called it Untamed. And uh, we said we're going to look at some of the raw emotions that we experience in life. And uh, one of the things that we have been saying is that we, by nature, kind of by how we're created, we are emotional beings. Uh, we're creating the image of God, so that means that we're intellectual beings. We think thoughts. We're volitional beings. We make decisions. And then we're emotional beings. We feel very real feelings. And we would say that those feelings have an enormous impact on our lives. Uh, in fact, sometimes those feelings can be so powerful that they influence and direct some of the other aspects of our lives. And we said uh, emotions in and of themselves obviously aren't bad. It's how we're created. But if I don't manage those well, if I don't direct them well, uh, they can become untamed and they can have an enormous negative impact on my life, right? And we said it, it kind of best case scenario, if I, don't un, if I don't tame my emotions, they probably limit my potential as a person or as a follower of Jesus. Uh, worst case scenario, they probably can devastate my life. And we would all look and, and kind of know the story where someone, because of their emotion, kind of ran off the rails and made some bad decisions. And so we said, we don't want to do that. Uh, we would say that many of us have had uh, different experiences. We were taught and trained about emotions. So some of us were kind of taught to ignore emotions, pretend like they don't happen and pretend like they're not real, kind of deny the reality of the emotional part of our lives. Uh, others of us would have been taught Emotions are something that you should be defined by, that when you feel something, you listen and you do it, kind of no matter what. And we would say neither of those approaches are appropriate. Now, I don't want to be denied in my emotional life. I don't want to be uh, kind of defined by it. I want it to be directed by Jesus. I want to see that area of my life surrendered to him because he made my emotional life and I want it to operate the way that he would see it playing out. And so that's what we've been looking at over the last handful of weeks now, and we've looked at some pretty major conversations, and we've looked at hurt so far. We've taken a week to look at envy, and we also looked at anger. And so a few weeks ago, we started out saying that I'm going to be hurt in life. It's not so much a matter of, a, of a, uh, an if question, it's a when question. When I'm hurt, what do I do? We said we got to go back to go forward. i got to go back to the pain, deal with it properly in order to move forward in my life kind of to take hold of what Jesus died to give me. And then uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Jeff talked about envy, walked us through a great conversation about envy, and we would say that it's totally normal to want things in life, right, and things that I don't have. But when you have them, and I see what you have, and I want what you have, that's when it turns into envy, and that can become negative, have a negative impact on our relationships. We said when we bump into envy, what we need to do is learn how to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Uh, maybe who have something that I want and to believe that God has placed me right where he wants me and he has me there for a reason. And then last week we talked about anger and we talked about human anger and righteous anger, kind of how to deal with those. And if you missed any of those individual conversations, well, I would encourage you to catch up online. Uh, you can do that at graceohio.org. Follow us on YouTube if you want. But boy, this series, I think, has been an important series. We've got a lot of feedback from you uh, about it, how it's affecting you, because I think this is just where we live. Uh, we live in the reality of our emotions kind of day in and day out, 
And I think that Jesus has a lot to say to us in those areas. So if you missed those, catch up online. And of course, we're going to walk into the last conversation in our series today. It's going to be all about fear, uh, fear and anxiousness. And boy, fear is a massive conversation. Uh, it's going to affect us in all kinds of ways. Of course, there's some good sides of fear uh, where we would look at things like uh, fear and say, you know what, uh, it's probably good that I have some fear so that I don't make really dangerous, foolish decisions. Uh, that there's that side of fear. We're not going to talk about that side today so much. There's also the side of fear that is kind of the clinical side where, where there's an extreme level of fear and anxiety where I can't function in life. We're not going to so much talk to that side of fear either. We're going to talk and focus most of our time where the vast majority of us would live, which is, is kind of the everyday grind of fear and anxiousness. We're going to feel it as we live life. And we're going to think about and feel fear in many ways. Uh, a lot of times, we're going to look at it and feel it when we think about things like the future. Uh, when we think about the unknown out there somewhere. We're going to feel feelings of fear when we think about being rejected. When I want to make a move in a relationship. Uh, when I want to take a risk. We're going to fear things like failure. Sometimes we even fear success. If I were to succeed, how would I hold on to that success? And those things are all very, very real. Before we dive into it, let me kind of give us a working definition uh, to, to live off of and kind of play with today. Here's the definition we're going to work with. Fear, unpleasant emotion caused by the potential of danger or loss. Right? This unpleasant emotion caused by the potential of danger or loss. So something bad could happen. Something out there could break down and I could suffer loss or suffer danger. And a lot of times this is going to show up, again, when we think about the future. Uh, so when we think about, will I get married? Will I marry the right person? Uh, will I pick the right college? Will I pick the right career path? Am I on the right career path? Do I need to make a big move? And if I did, what would that look like? And what would that cost me? Right? But we don't know. It, will the economy collapse? Will America collapse? We have these unknowns, questions out there that are looming, and we don't know what to do with them. We don't know how we would control those or answer those questions. And so there's, we're left with a feeling of anxiousness and fear. What do I do? How do I manage it? It's out there. I can't control it. I can't affect it. But I think about it, and I feel it often. Uh, many of us are going to feel that on all kinds of levels when we think about the future. Another major place where we're going to feel a lot of fear and anxiousness is just in the everyday, right? Literally just kind of getting through the week or getting through the day. How am I going to get that project done for school or for work? I don't have enough time to get all the things on my list done, done. How am I going to do it, right? How, is there going to be enough money not in retirement? Is there going to be enough money at the end of the month? How am I going to make that bill? How are we going to function, right? Christmas is coming, Thanksgiving is coming, I'm going to see my in-laws or my family, I'm anxious about that, right? There's going to be a lot of conversations that happen in the next few weeks as we start to talk about what that family event is going to look like, and anxiety is going to pop up, or fear is going to come up in how we might interact in those situations. I'm going to pop into that social situation, what am I going to say to that person, I had that one awkward interaction, and now i got to see him again, and what's that going to be like? Our minds and our hearts are going to race, and we're going to feel these kinds of things all the time, right? Anxiousness, fear, worry. And what's amazing is uh, maybe this emotion, more than many others, 
I would say, has an enormous ability, if we don't manage this properly, to limit our possibilities in life. Think about that. Maybe more than any, fear has an ability to limit our possibilities. When you start to think back, I'm this way too, about the risks that I didn't take, the conversations I didn't have, the moves I didn't make, and what, what would have happened if I would have leaned into courage, moved past fear and went for it, instead of being crippled and limited by fear. We all, we all have things like that in our lives. We say we want to we deal with that and move through fear. That's why the Bible has so much to say about fear. In fact, there are hundreds of verses that say things like this. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Put your trust and your hope in God. Don't fear people. Don't fear man is kind of how the Bible would say it. Right? Don't fear. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be anxious for anything. Those verses are littered all throughout the Bible because this is a relevant issue that people from all time in all cultures and all places are going to experience. We all wrestle with anxiousness, with fear in very real ways. So the Bible's going to have a ton to say about that. We're actually just going to set up shop and really look at one verse today and kind of build everything around that one verse. And the verse we're going to look at is in the book of 2 Timothy. The apostle Paul is talking to a young pastor that he's mentoring and developing, and he's encouraging Timothy here, is the guy he's investing in, to not be fearful, to not lean into fear. And I think there's some truths here that are very applicable to us. Let's read it to, together. Here's what it says, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. One of the things that Paul is pointing to here is he's reminding Timothy, his friend, again, a guy he's mentoring. Timothy's in a situation that is dangerous. Uh, He's being opposed He has potential harm coming his way. He's got real questions of fear. What's going to happen to me as I live out God's call in my life, try to be faithful to it? Paul's going to look at Timothy and say, Timothy, I want you to remember what God has done for us, the spirit that he has given to us, and what that spirit creates in us. So here's something that's kind of unique about the Christian faith. And if you're uh, not a Christ follower, if you're investigating the Christian faith, you're going to learn kind of the distinctly Christian view of how faith is to be approached and how fear is to be interacted with today. One of the things that we believe that the Bible teaches that, that when we say yes to following Jesus, I want to be a Christ follower, we believe that God comes and lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit, that he takes up residence in us. Right? The Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity, right? He, he actually is God himself, and God in us gives us some resources, some power, some love ability to have self-control that we wouldn't have on our own. Paul is going to talk to Timothy, say, Timothy, remember, when you experience fear, when you're worried about the future, when you're crippled by it, remember that that fear is not something that the Spirit is creating in you. That's not something that God is creating in you, so to say. When you experience fear, when you feel like doing the right thing and you choose not to do it because you're worried about being rejected, when you feel like sharing your faith, I would love to tell this person 
who has no hope about the hope that I have, but I'm not sure what they would do or how they would feel about it, and I don't do anything, Paul would look at that and say, that's not from God. That fear is not initiated by God. God doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit doesn't create that in you. That's not him speaking that or giving that fear to you. When I'm looking at the gifts that God has given me and choosing if I should risk with them and develop them for God, and I choose and say, you know what, That's too, that path scares me. I don't think I'm going to go down it. I don't think I'm going to move in my life in a way that is risky, takes a step of faith, because I, I believe that God's kind of moving me that way, but I choose not to. I would look at that, and Paul would say, hey, that, that's not a spirit that God gives, he doesn't give us fear like that. He gives power, love, and self-control. This is hugely important. Again, because this, this fear thing, it happens inside of us. I would say, at least in my life, it's hard to see it. It's hard to even recognize it because it's all happening kind of in our hearts and minds. We don't see that fear is actually driving our decisions. When we're approaching our life and choosing, do, do I interact with that person? Do I confront that problem? Do I deal with that issue? Do I take that risk? We don't see that it's fear oftentimes that's crippling me or hampering me from moving forward. Loud and clear, Paul wants us to know that's not the spirit of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's giving you that sense of fear. So stop listening to that. There's another verse where Paul would talk to us about fear in Romans 8. He says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Man, it God in you doesn't create a, a slavery culture. It doesn't produce that in you. It doesn't make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. It says, and by him we cry, Father. The word Abba is the, just a different language to say the same thing. Abba, Father. He's saying that that's what the spirit does. The spirit, when he lives in us, he creates an experience of us being children of God. Sons and daughters. We're not slaves that we live in fear. When I think about my kids, they don't live in fear. They're not worried that they're going to get kicked out of the family. They live in a freedom of knowing that they're accepted and they're loved and that their parents are for them, right, and trying to give them resources to succeed in life. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, listen, you don't need to live in fear. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. This is huge. Now, one of the things that I want us to recognize as we look at this idea of fear is we have to recognize that we, when we say yes to following Jesus, a bunch of things go off the table. Here's what I mean. When I say I want to follow Christ, hell is now no longer on the table. Separation from God is no longer on the table. Condemnation, no longer on the table. Right? All that is swept away. What's left on the table is freedom. Power, love, joy, an ability to take hold of the abundant life that Jesus died to give me, that abundant life I grab hold of, uh, and abundance is not about prosperity and having what I want, it's about enjoying God and who he is and making a difference in people's lives, loving as I've been loved. I have a freedom to pursue that without fear of failure, risk, condemnation, or separation from God. That is huge. That alone is massive. So fear is not something that we are called to as followers of Jesus. 
We're called to power, love, self-control. We're going to take a deep dive look at kind of each of those words. Here's the first one, of course, is power. And power comes from the reality of who we are. Uh, Same passage here in Romans. Paul's going to continue the thought. He says, we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. This is an amazing truth. See, there's a power in realizing who you are. You're not your failure. You're not your sin. You're not your weakness. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. The reward that Jesus earned for coming to this earth, living perfectly, dying innocently, you share in that reward that God gave to him. That's unbelievable. That no matter what happens to you in life, if the wheels fall off, if every fear you have plays out, if you're rejected by everyone, if you lose all your money, if your health fades and fails, if you, you name it, at the end of the day, you're still a co-heir with Jesus. You're an heir of God. Your eternity is set. There is a peace and a freedom that comes from knowing that, knowing that no matter what happens, there's the power of my being a child of God. And the value of that is enormous. Watch how Paul continues the thought. You've got to see this next verse. It's mind-blowing. Here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Let me stop there for a second. Paul's going to say, I'm praying for you, church. right? Just like talking to a group of Christ followers. I pray that you would understand, that you would know something, that, that the the eyes of your heart, your understanding would be illuminated, would be opened up in order that you may know, you may experience his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's God's power for people who said, I want to follow Jesus. Listen to this verse. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Did you hear that? That is a mind-blowing truth. What Paul just told us, he's saying, I'm praying, you guys, you have to understand this. When you're feeling anxious and fearful and shut down, you have to know, I pray that you know, about how much power God wants to express, exert in your life. It's the same power that he exerted when he looked at the lifeless body of Jesus and he resurrected him from the dead. That's the power that's available to you and I today. That's unbelievable. That's, that's being brought to bear and is available to everybody who says, I want to follow Jesus. God wants to unleash that power in our lives to make us like Jesus and to live the kind of life that Jesus died to give us. And we live on that all day. That's unbelievable. That is power. The same power that he exerted when he raised him from the dead. This is massive to know. I'll tell you guys, I, when I think about fear and, uh, and anxiousness, this is like an issue for me. It's not like a no-brainer. I got it. I'm always courageous and bold and, 
and never feel pressure or stress or anxiety. And for me, I need this truth, in my life at least. I don't know how it works for you. But for me, I'm tempted real quick to be drawn to one of two extremes. I'm tempted to shift back and to look at everything I'm not pretty quick. To look back at, at where I've come from, and I came from a broken home with no dad and, and the holes that that left, and, and God, how could you even like use me? Probably things are going to be messed up just because of where I came from. And then there's all the things that I did to mess it up. All my failures and all my sin, it's, oh, if you only knew. And then there's my weaknesses, which are unlimited, right? They're everywhere. How would you even use my life, period? What am I doing here? And I can get drawn into that kind of thought pretty quick. And it's dangerous because I'm going to live out of fear the more and more I land there. The opposite is also true, right? I can run to the other side and then say, well, you know what? I survived all that, and I did that. I, I made it. I survived. I'm a survivor, right? And, and I, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, and I'm here today. I can survive. No, I'm beat on my chest and pump myself up. Who do I need to fear? I've got me, you know? It may not be pretty, and I might skin my knee, but I'm still going to be here. And God would look at me and say, Ryan, don't, don't look at your life and doubt my power in it. Don't look at your life and think that you are the power in it. Look at your life and see my power, the power of Christ in you. That's how it works. And that, that's where the antidote for fear starts to drive it. At least I, I need that. I have to stay close to that truth on a regular basis to have any sense of victory from fear and anxiousness, at least in my own experience. Okay? Christ in me, the power of Christ in me, begins to change me, and it starts to let me go to the next level where the love of Christ can flow through me. Here's the next one, of course, is love. Look at this passage with me. 1 John 4, John says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. He says, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. This is an unbelievably profound truth. He's going to say, when you're afraid, what will drive fear out of your life is love, perfect love. When I love you, but it's fearful, I, I don't know what's going to happen if I move towards you in love. What's going to happen is if love overwhelms my feelings of fear, it's going to drive that fear out of my life. Here's how I would say it. Love creates courage. Love creates courage. A few years ago, um, when we had four kids in five years, we, we lived over in Mineral Falls, and um, the kids were out playing in the backyard this one day. And Lori's hanging out. I'm at work, and uh, she's on the deck, and the kids are all, right, they're all, like, hanging out in the backyard. And we have four kids, five and under. It just basically means no one can do anything, right? Like, they're completely dependent on you, period. And so one day, Lori's out in the backyard. Again, I'm at work. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the day, this raccoon starts to walk up onto our deck, right? 
And like raccoons, I don't know if you know much about raccoons, I didn't, but they don't usually come out in the middle of the day. It's not like a thing. And this is not like a normal raccoon. This is like a gigantic, huge mongo raccoon, okay? This thing is huge, like three foot tall raccoon. And so it pops up on the deck and Lori's like, there's just babies littered all throughout the backyard. And so she goes full out mama bear, right? And she's like, I have to rescue the children. And so she starts to collect the kids, like, come on kids. And my kids are all like, oh, cute raccoon, you know? And this raccoon is like drooling and sickly looking. That's why it's out in the middle of the day, you know? And it shows up on this deck and it's just, it's standing on like its hind legs. It's all up like, right? And it's just standing there. And Lori's trying to like herd our children right into the door to save them. And so she does what all of us would do. And she, she goes and she tries to shoo the raccoon away. Doesn't move, man. Just stands there and stares at her, right? Like not moving. This raccoon's like, this is my deck now, right? You leave, go find something else. And so she has to like go to war with this coon. And so she just starts throwing stuff at it does not move, right? She, can t- she has to get all the way up to the point where she's got a broom and she's like poking this sucker in the face. You know, she's, and she finally gets it to go away after she strikes it bluntly to the head a few times, right? She gets this raccoon to go away, gets the kids into the house, saves the day, mama bear wins, yes, victory, right? And so Lori and I, we were talking about it later. I was like, honey, that raccoon is probably rabid. You know, like you that thing probably could have tore you up. Like, I'm glad you saved our children, right? Good job. And did you recognize the risk, like, involved in this? You, you could have been, like, attacked by the coon here. And she, she's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't even think about it. Like, I did. Yeah, I mean, she was just genuinely being sincere. I, I didn't really think about it. I just, like, had to do it because I, I got to take care of our kids, right? Perfect love, love for her kids, drove out the fear of the psycho raccoon, right? That's like how it works. And we see this kind of thing happen all the time. This is the firefighter running into the building to save somebody at the the risk of their own safety, right? It's mama jumping into the pool with all her clothes on to save her baby. You name it. You can start to see perfect love. When I love you, the risks fade, what could have the danger, the loss, it fades out because love's going to propel me forward. I have to, I have to love. I have to do what's right. It needs to happen. I'll tell you, you know who's a really amazing example of this is Pastor Jeff. Uh, Pastor Jeff and his leadership here at Grace has absolutely moved us towards love over and over and over again. Uh, when you, whenever we come up to a a moment, kind of a fork in the road, where we can settle in and be safe, right, and just kind of cruise, or, or we can take the different road that, that loves people and is riskier and harder. I've watched Jeff over the years continue to choose love over and over and over again, right? It's a decision to, to make a bigger, one big spot or to have campuses all over the place, which is way more complicated. I seem to say, we're going this way. Why? Because of love, right? We have to reach more people who need the hope and the love of Jesus. Not even a question. He'll take a sane look. He knows all the risks. He knows all the potential outcomes, and we're still choosing love. I love that. That's how it works, I think it's how it works in our lives. When I look at you and you're in my life, 
and I know you're struggling, you're suffering, and you need somebody to move towards you. You need somebody to bring it up. Love is going to drive me past the fear of what are you going to say and how are you going to feel about me moving towards you. When you need the hope of Christ, and I don't know, maybe you're going to reject me. Maybe you're going to think I'm the weird Christian person. But I love you. Love is going to push me past the fear of rejection. When I look at my life on a bigger scale, and I think, man, that, that path is harder and more costly, and I don't know if I can maintain it. I bet you I could have an easier route, but love is going to cause me to go that way. And perfect love drives out fear. Love creates courage, right? It makes me strong on the inside and to lean out past the risks, extend myself towards where God would have me. Love is Jesus loved. The power of Christ in me helps move the love of Christ through me. And finally, I want to grab hold of the mind of Christ to direct me in my decisions. Right here, here's the idea of this last one: self-control, being of a sound mind. This word is interesting. What it literally means is to, is to be made wise. To be made wise. That that I would look at life sanely from God's perspective. Because here's the thing, all of the risks are real, right? The fact is we might fail. We might be rejected. The, the wheels might come off. It might not work. All of those facts are real. Paul would say, and the Bible would say, the person with the sound mind, the, the, perfect, the person with self-control chooses where to put their focus to say, right, all these things are real, but I'm going to discipline my thinking and put it on the fact that God is real as well and that he can act in ways that are far higher or greater or more powerful than any of the risk factors that I can examine. It's a, it's a deliberate choice. It's self-control. It's having a sound mind. Here's how Paul would talk about it in Philippians 4. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He says, here's a promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul's going to look at a group of Christ followers and say, listen, you're going to be anxious. <laughs> you're going to run into it. It's, it's how life is. When that happens, let's present a request to God. Let's recognize that God is in the picture. And, and he says, finally, you've you got to direct your thoughts. You've got to choose what, what's the target I'm going to focus on. Where, where, where am I going to aim my thinking? Am I going to fixate on all of the things that could happen and could go wrong, or I'm going to fixate on the admirable, the lovely, the excellent, the praiseworthy, the what God could do peace, the what God has called me to peace, the love peace, the power peace. Am I going to fixate on the fact that, that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available in my life? That's, a, that's not something that I do once, 
and then I'm good to go forever and I have the peace of God. That's a regular discipline to practice self-control, to live in a sound mind. I don't know about you guys. I, uh, I sometimes struggle with the fear of heights, you know? Like I get up high enough. I'm, I'm good for about 10, 12 feet. That's kind of my max. And then when, when I start to get above that, I get a little shaky. And for me, whenever I can operate above, you know, a certain level, I have to choose very, very purposefully uh, to not look down. As soon as I start looking down, and anybody will tell you this who works in heights, like you can't look down because as soon as you set that as your target, fear sets in. Fear immediately starts to overtake you and you lose focus, right? So I just look forward. I immediately fix my eyes right on what I'm doing and where I need to go next. That's what I think Paul's talking about here. We're talking about having a sound mind. We're talking about being wise. I think that's what he's saying. He's saying, don't look down, look forward. Don't look down at, at all of the things that could go wrong. That I know they're there. When you're high up in there, you, you realize the risks of what could happen. We're not foolish. It's just not our focus. It's not what we're going to fixate on. I want to fix my focus. I want to look forward at what God has called me to on love, on the power that Christ has for us. And if I can do that regularly as a habit more and more, what's going to happen is fear and anxiety are going to have a smaller and smaller role in my life. Will they ever go away? I'm not sure totally. But the promise is, is that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That we'll have a peace that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make any sense. Right? That's the promise of that verse. Don't look down, look forward. Look at where God is and where he is taking us. The power of Christ in us presses the love of Christ through us and gives us the mind of Christ to direct us. Say, so Ryan, where, where do we start with this whole thing? Right? Fear's a big one. And I think it's an everyday issue. Here, here's where we might start. You may be in this room today and, and you don't have a relationship with Christ and, uh, and you're filled with anxiety and worry and fear. You don't know how it's going to play. Here's what I would say. If you're there, if you're in a place where you'd say, I, I don't know Jesus, I know I need to change, I can't keep living like this. I'd say step one, if you are there, is to say yes to Jesus. Say, I want to follow Christ. He is where peace is found. And the closer we get in our experience to him, the more peace we're going to enjoy. Say, how do I do that, Ryan? You look at your life and say, Lord, forgive me for all that I've done. I did this when I was a college student. I had no religious background. I said, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I've sinned against you. Forgive me for my sin. I want to follow you. And then what we're doing when we say yes to Christ is we're entering a relationship that lasts forever. You're not joining a club or religious system. You're going to know the one that created you and you're going to devote your life and your loyalty to him. And you're forgiven. Hell's off the table. You have a relationship with Jesus. If you're there, I think that's the step. Right? For the rest of us, how does this work? Where do we go? I'll tell you guys, I mentioned this before. For me, this is not a no-brainer. 
Um, in my everyday experience of life, um, I, I worry. I, I feel anxious sometimes. And for me, I have to fight to live in the space of Christ's power and to be motivated by love. Because I see it all, just like you do. I see all the things that could go wrong. Sometimes people will say to me, right, shouldn't it be easier than this? Like, shouldn't my marriage be easier? Shouldn't having peace be easier? Or living out of a bold faith, shouldn't this be easier? And I would look back and say, I don't know, man. Everything that's really worth having is not as easy as it looks. You want a great marriage? It's going to take a lot of energy and time and focus. You want a great friendship? It's going to take a lot of time and energy and focus. At least in my experience, to be close to Jesus and to gain hold of a more and more bold faith and a settled peace, it takes quite a bit more energy or focus than we might expect. Not to earn a relationship with God, that's impossible. We are given one, but to grow in our depth of it. Because the closer we get to Jesus in our experience of this life, the more bold we'll be in our faith, the more settled peace we're going to have. Why? Because we're looking for, we're taking hold of the life that Jesus died to give us. We're close to the one who made us. So I think we look at that and say, well, what's it going to take for me to live in that space? I think it starts by asking the question, Lord, is there a risk that you're asking me to take right now? Is there a relationship that needs moved towards? I've been afraid to do that. Have I been afraid to rip the band-aid and really chase after Jesus all the way? Maybe for the first time or maybe in a new way? Maybe there, there's something that's just been heavy on my heart and mind and I've just been so afraid to tackle it. Start there. The power of God's available. Love will drive that fear right out of our lives. Right? And more and more I want to grab a hold of that sound mind. It starts by saying yes. Yes to what God's asking us to do right now. The band comes out. Would you wrestle with the Lord in that space? Asking him those questions. Would you pray with me? Lord, it blows my mind that you would offer to us anything. Lord, anything short of judgment is just an act of your grace and your mercy. Lord, you, you, you don't want us to be slaves. You've called us to be your children, sons and daughters. And it, it just breaks your heart as you see us limited by our own fear. God, fill us with your love. Make us courageous and brave people. Give us the courage today to recognize the step and move on it in a way that would bring honor and glory to you. Meet with us here, Lord. It's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen.